now this is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down, and I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there, and I'll tell you how I became the prince of a town called... Ah, sorry, wrong show. Hey, it's Aaron here, and as you'll hear in a moment, I ended up a bit crook in bed this week instead of being able to get on the podcast. Boo. Anyway, but I'm here anyway, because it's competition time. That's right. Thanks to our great friends from Pond Software to help celebrate the physical release of Graham Axton's The Bare Essentials, we have one of the very last signed copies available to give away. How amazing is that? We're also going to have two very nifty press play on tape fridge magnets to give away to as runner-up prizes, and these things are so super secret, we've not even seen them yet. So, how can you win? We'll be giving our fans two chances to win this one. First... There'll be the usual post on our Facebook page and another over on Twitter for those that aren't big fans of the Book of Faces. Follow the steps on the post and you'll get your first chance to win. It's pretty much that easy. But for our listeners, you're going to get a second chance. That's right. Listen to this month's episode and answer this question. What was our special guest's first computer? Email your answer to pressplayontapeau at gmail.com. That's press play on tape au at gmail.com and you'll secure yourself a second entry in the competition how cool's that entries close 11:59 p.m australian eastern standard time on april 30th with the winners announced shortly thereafter so get to it oh and in case you were wondering this is open to all our fans worldwide so i'll let you get back to your show i hope you enjoy it aaron out and Go. It's the Press Play on Tape Podcast, episode 22. And I'm Aaron Clement, your host today. Is it actually? Damien, do I sound different? <laughs> you do. You do, Aaron. You sound uh, much more elegant and... Um, um, well-spirited, so I don't know yeah. what's happened. Yeah, and also, I think I think I have such a... I think I sound like a really handsome fellow as well. Well, look, yeah. you've obviously gone up a few points in the looks department, that's for sure. Oh, of course, I know I have. Ah, oh, that, that's kind of <laughs> cruel. No, it's Daz. I'm back. I'm back for this one episode, so there you go. Uh, yeah, I was actually meant to be a guest as well, but um, uh, poor Aaron's... Uh, not feeling well tonight, so I've actually taken the reins, and I have uh, Damien to back me up, and also have a special guest, Mr. Aaron White. Finally, we get to speak. How uh, are you? Frankly, yeah, I'm great. Thanks, guys, for having me on. It's a pleasure and uh, an honour to be on your show, finally. So after all this, all this time, we finally got to hook up and uh, record something. That's it, man. Ah, yeah, for sure. It's, it's a shame Alex um, couldn't be on at the same time, but... Um, yeah, we can talk about Santa's sack all you like now. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I'm sure he visited you and emptied his sack in your living room this year. <laughs> <if he> was... <laughs> um, now, what, what is this Santa's sack you speak of? Well, I think you'll need to listen to some earlier episodes of the Press Plante podcast. So ah, we'll just, right. We'll just leave before it at my that, time. Yes. yes, it's before your time. It was, good. A, it was the Darren and Alex days, so uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, it was a pretty early episode, I think, if yes, I remember it was, rightly. It was pretty, so. yeah. I think it was a Christmas episode. I think it was our first Christmas episode. 
But alas, we shall move on. Let's uh, let's not go into too much of a tangent already. But um, okay, right, we'll start with you, Aaron. So, what got you into gaming? Well, um, Christmas Day, nineteen eighty-six. All those years ago, I got a Commodore sixty-four um, for, for, as a present. So, it was a wonderful surprise to see that sat on the uh, Christmas tree. And I got four games with it as well at the time, which was Roland's Rat Race, Hunchback 2, World Games, and Ghostbusters. I'm sure you guys have probably played one or a mm. few of them <laughs> before. Um, Some great titles there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to get them them four games, you know, on, on Christmas Day, it was just, you know, fantastic. And they were all great games. And that just, you know, that just got me hooked straight away, especially when... Ghostbusters loaded up and they had the digitized speech at the beginning and the little bouncing ball mm -hmm. along, you know, so you could follow the words to the theme tune and everything. So, yeah, just basically that's what, what really got me into, into gaming to start off with. And then a couple of years later, I got a Sega Master System nice. for Christmas yeah, again, nice. um, which I got Shinobi and Wonder Boy with that. Two, you know, Very fantastic good. games again. Solid titles um, too, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, two of the best for sure. And and I didn't really get a big, you know, a big library of games because at that time I was still at school and didn't have much money and so forth. So the year after I got a Amiga 500 for Christmas, the the, the Bat Pack. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, which came with Batman and New Zealand Story, Whizball and a few other, few other titles. So... And then, obviously, I just fell in love with Amiga, and um, <clears throat> it went on from there, really. So I just progressed, and that was when I first got sort of introduced into um, Soundtracker to, to listen to all of the great mods. And at that time, obviously, I didn't have a clue how to work Soundtracker or how to compose music or anything like that. Um, but then on a, on a Monday night, I started going to a, a local computer club it was more of a, a meet-up, really, where everyone would be copying each other's games, you know how it goes, and not that I'm condoning piracy, of course, but um, it, that's what happened at these meets, and there was a few scene group members there, so, so I met a guy from from LSD called Mub, um, he was a musician, and he was he was local to me, he lived just around the corner, unbeknown to me at the time, um, and that sort of got me more into the music and, and into the scene as well, so... Um, and then a couple of years later, after that, I got an Amiga A1200, which I've still got now. Nice man. Which I still, mm. I still, uh, this is what I use every day, nearly to do all my music on and my mods and sampling and whatever else. So yeah, that's sort of, you know, we have, I've, I've had other systems. I've, I've had a Sega Saturn three times, which is ridiculous. <laughs> and like now, trying to rebuy games for it is just, you know, it's yes, just hard, it's hard work because the. The top tiles are so expensive, so it's um, it's a bit of a bugger. But there you go. So yeah, that's sort of my my history into into gaming. Shot sure, only you know very condensed history, but that's sort of how I got into got into everything. So anything you guys want to ask me about or anything, then just go ahead and I'll answer as best I can. Yeah, no worries. So the um, I, I find it very interesting the. Um, the background to your um, getting into gaming because it's very similar to mine. Um, actually, I think I got my Commodore 64 for Christmas in 1987, so it's almost at the same time. Uh, well, actually, like a year later, I think. Um, yeah, except yeah. when I got it, yeah, when I got it, I got um, a six pack 
of games that had uh, Whizball, Parallax, Mutants, Head Over Heels, uh, Double Take, and The Great Escape. And yeah, that was that was like absolute magic to me. And then a couple of years later, same thing, Master System, very small library of games because I was still at school, didn't have much money. So I ended up with uh, four games. Um, and then yeah, the Amiga came a couple of years later. Um, and the rest is history, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, like I said, with the, uh, with the Master System, it, um, because we didn't have much money or anything, it was hard to... To pick up titles, but obviously for the Commodore 64, I had I, I ended up with something like 600 games originally mm. um, because there were so many budget titles. But this sounds like you've got a, an Ocean Software compilation there with some absolutely brilliant games on. Yes, yes, yes. They definitely got a lot of lot of lot of hours out of that one. Did you, did you ever play The Great Escape? Because that was one game I've never played. I I, I did I play it a lot. It. Yeah, I could never really figure out exactly how I was supposed to escape um, but I did have a lot of fun just walking around and finding new little bits and pieces it's something that I always intend to go back to one day um, it's on the list but you Aaron did you ever play it um, I, I've, I, I loaded it up but I never had a clue what I was doing back mm. then so I never it was never really that accessible to me do you know what I mean so I, I used to play Games you could you could instantly get a grasp of, so it's it's something that I've never really, never really played to be honest. So, do you, do you ever yeah. have a disc drive for the C sixty four, or we just tape? I have now. I oh, never okay. had then. We it was it was all discs, discs and disc drives were very rare, or well, should I say, very very expensive in the UK. Mm-hmm. So it was um, it was difficult to you know it was sort of an unobtainable thing for me at the yeah. time. Like I say, I've got one now, but um, I, I never had one back in the day. It was all tape. Which I didn't mind because you got the, you know, the nice loaders on a lot of the, a lot of the titles and good, good music. So and even games mm. on some titles that you could play like Space Invaders or when the games were loading. So mm-hmm. it was, it was never really a chore for me. And you know, when they, I still load games from tape now. And when you, you used to think, oh, it used to take half an hour, an hour to load the games. When you, when you actually realise now, it's not that long. It, it seems a long time when you were, you know. Mm. <laughs> it, yeah, exactly, exactly. I think I think it was more bad when it was multi-load. Uh, multi-load tape games were a pain, I think. Yeah, for yeah. sure. It, I mean, it, there's some. Sorry. No, it's, no. I was gonna say it it it, it, it breaks it breaks the momentum while playing. I think. If you know. What yeah, I mean. definitely. I mean, you know, with everything loaded up in one go, then you can you can mm-hmm. stay focused on the game. But like I say, it was a bit distracted with the yeah. with the multi-loads. But obviously, with the the limitations of the the system and the memory, that was the only way you could, you know, have these, you know, bring these games to to the masses. I think, mm. unfortunately. No, yeah. Well, that's that's what used to freak me about Bubble Bubble. How the hell did they squash that in one load? I mean, that's just that's um, unbelievable. Hundred levels. Sorcery. Yeah. Yeah. Ab- absolute sorcery. I mean, it is many one of the many wonders of the world because it is such a fantastic conversion on the C64 as well yeah. mm-hmm, unbelievable yeah. from from them, the guys at Firebird I mean what a what a fantastic game and I still play that regularly now yeah yeah it's solid mm. solid title for sure yeah. for sure alright cool so alright okay Aaron so um what's this about chip tunes and Amiga mods and stuff I, I heard I heard you <laughs> like them 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I think, um, you know, going back, <clears throat> excuse me, to the, to the early days, around 89, like early 1990, I think it was, one of my father's friends came round um, from his work and brought the original Sound Tracker programme, um, which was a four-channel tracker, you know, system for, for you to build or, you know, convert and mm-hmm. make music on. I'm sure, I don't know if you guys are aware of that Sound Tracker program, I'm sure you are, but, um, mm. you know, and that, the first mod I ever heard and saw playing was Axel F, you know, the theme tune from yes. Beverly Hills Cop. And to yes. see that, you know, playing and hear it and see all the notes, they just had me hooked straight away, you know, and the this on the soundtrack of this there was like um, songs that you could load but you needed various instrument discs to be able to load the songs because then there weren't actual module files there were song song files and the the samples were loaded separately so and there were a lot of songs on this on soundtracker but unfortunately i didn't have all the um, instrument discs to load these tracks up with so i was stuck with just a few tunes but which i'd listened to over and over again and basically just you know got me more and more interested i mean i did some some early song, well, not even finished tracks, just messing about back then, which are absolutely awful. I still own on an old hard drive somewhere, which no one's ever going to hear. Um, so, you know, it was just terrible, terrible stuff. And I, I was sort of dabbled on and off with it for for a few years, and then I left it for a while. And and then back in when was it, two thousand thirteen, two thousand twelve, I broke. Um, a bone in my spine. Oh. So, yeah, I was laid up for about six months. With that, I was very, very ill. And um, I, I had a lot of spare time in my hands, so I got back into the Amiga and I started creating chip tunes and, you know, getting back into it because I had so much spare time and that's what really got me back into it. And I've just progressed from there, really. And now I've done something like probably three, 400 mods. So oh, wow. Well, <laughs> just a, just a few. Sorry. I've done like you know a lot of original work and conversions of you know um, C64 games. You know, actually mm-hmm. converted them onto the Amiga and and some sample tracks of old dance hits and things like that as well. So, yeah. Oh, nice, nice. So, Aaron. So, with with a mod, what what constitutes a mod? Like, is it a certain length of time, or what 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 defines what what you call a mod? The the mod is just the um, the the file extension name that the Amiga uses um, for, oh, okay. sound, for sound tracker and well pro pro tracker it is now but um, there was there's, there's been various you know different versions noise tracker and things like that but I mean mod, the mod is like um, four four channels and it's usually like um, a chip tune is is something that the samples are really short and. They're really small, so you're talking maybe one or two bytes a module. Uh, it's it's they're not very oh. big, but and then obviously you get bigger modules where people use real instruments and the samples are a lot longer and a lot bigger in memory, so that takes up a lot more space. But yeah, it's um, you know there's there's a lot of different types of mods. So, do you have um, any particular mod artists? That uh, some of your favourite, or do you have some favourite tracks as well that other people have made? Yeah, I've, I've got quite a few um, favourites. Format from Anarchy did some, and still does some fantastic 
work he went on to do a lot of game music as well which a lot of these guys did they worked for you know the the cracking scene groups back in the day yeah. they were hacking and you know distributing the software houses work for free basically and mm-hmm. they end a lot of these guys end up working for these software houses because they were so talented much more so than i ever could be you know and um just trying to think of some others like new kavanaki he was a great great guy um yoga i can't remember his last name now but yeah i mean so many so many artists that i love and um they're just you know brilliant and when you look at the the work they're doing how they squeeze these tunes into these you know such small you know confines the four tracks and the, and the memory confines it's amazing what they can do really you know real sound like real real bands in your house which is phenomenal mm. Mm. yes 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 indeed so but yeah i mean going back to um, my friend mob his real name's chris brundell by the way um, he was a member of lsd and i used to go around his house and he used to be composing loads of chip tunes and then he'd, he'd come around my house sometimes and do do some work around at mine and it was i sort of like tried to pick up a few hints and tips from him as he was working but because he was so fast at what he did it was like a wizard wizard on it on the keyboard and everything. It was hard to keep up with what he was doing, but I got the sort of gist of, of certain things and then um I started trying to like copy other people not copy but watch how other people did the work and looked at, you know, various um notes and how the pitch bends worked and all the different effects you could put in to um to the modules to make them sound sound different. So but yeah, it's been wow. um, a long journey and I'm still learning and still producing, uh, you know, music. And I should have a disc, a new disc out on the Amiga, which will be able to download probably um, sometime next month, middle of next next month or the end of next month. So look out oh, for very it. Very nice. <laughs> very nice. So do these, um, like, I'm aware of uh, like demos from back in the day that you know you have all the awesome music and then you'd have all the the graphical trickery and and pictures and all that going on in the background do any of your mods have uh, any kind of graphic background to them or just simply uh, uh music only no when i when i release a disc i just have like a, a static picture because i have no clue about programming or anything <laughs> like that so yeah. i just have like 10 10 tracks usually on the disc press f1 to f10 to to load each track and I just have a static picture there, which my good friend um, Paul Kitchen, who works for Reset now, who does their graphics room, I'm sure you know about Paul. Um, he's at the Tekken on Twitter. I've known him for years and years. I grew up with him. Again, just around the corner, it's such a coincidence that he's um, now doing the graphics for for the uh, Reset 64 magazine. So it's um, nice. a small world, as they say. Yeah, it is. It <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so yeah, he he started doing sort of the background picture for for my discs, what I re- which I released. So it's good to um, have him because he's he's a very talented um, artist. So are, are mm. you actually keen of going back to the C sixty four and doing stuff on that, or is it is there, or is it a little bit difficult? <laughs> um, I'd love to do music on the C sixty four, but using something like Goat Tracker or Sid Wizard is just far beyond my uh, comprehension. Okay, um, and it's it's just it, it seems a lot more complicated, and I think I'm just a bit too too old now to 
try and learn, I know it's lazy, but you know, try and learn something something so new. So I'm I'm, I'm so familiar with using the Amiga. It's it's just a lot easier, more, more, a lot more accessible for me to do to do that. But I would love to create, you know, see. I try and recreate C64 sounds on the Amiga, so it's it's not too far away, you know. So is there is there a SID chip um, sample there on there? Um, yeah, there's there's quite a few. Um, you know, people actually physically, you know, sampled proper SID chips, uh, SID chip sounds, and I've I've got loads of them on on various discs, which I'm which I use and which I'm using in a few modules now, which I'm which I'm working on. So, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. it's um, it, it it crosses over more than what you think. <laughs> so so you actually um when when creating the tunes, like so you obviously know how to play keyboards then, correct? Um, yeah, I mean, I taught myself to um, read music, uh-huh. um, so I, I'm self-taught, and I've got a keyboard and guitar, which I, I used to um, mess about on as well, um, so I sort of, you know, learn, you know, listening by ear as well, you know, playing along with tracks and figuring out the notes and things like that, so yeah, I'm just all, all, um, all self-taught, but yeah, I can, I can read music, so which, which does help. <laughs> oh, that's great. Also, I remember there was, it was like last year, um, you had, what's his name? What's that? Uh, reggae? No, I wouldn't say it's reggae. What was that? Oh, Shaggy. Uh, Shaggy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did, so, did, did his manager reach out to you or something? Because that actually... Is it, yeah. yeah. His music producer um, heard this um, remix, a sampled is a single he brought out a few months ago. I sampled it on the Amiga, mm-hmm. remixed it, and released it on a disc for people to download. And um, he he heard this remix, and he was like, he sent me a private message on um, on Twitter, and then emailed me. He said, "Oh, this is fantastic. I think it's really brilliant what you've done, and really cool. And I'm gonna I'm gonna you know show it and play it to Shaggy next time he's in the studio, which sort of blew totally blew my mind. Which I, you know I never thought I'd have anything yeah. you know like that. So it was just amazing, really." For, for something like that, that to happen. That is, that is amazing. Um, I'm just sort of thinking, you know, the way things work now, you know, to get exposure and for for the guy to hear it and to be so impressed by it, I think that's that's very awesome. And I, um, do we know whether Shaggy's actually heard it yet? I, I don't... <clears throat> excuse me. He's not been in touch with me lately, but I know, like, Shaggy's been on tour for quite a long time, so I don't think he's actually yep. been in the studio recording. I know he has got a new album coming out soon, but he, he, I don't think he's been back to the studio as of as of yet. Um, but hopefully he will be soon and then he'll hear it. But this guy obviously couldn't un, you know, get into his mind that these samples I created were like 600, 600 kilobytes, you know, because wow. obviously obviously the, the disc is only 880K. So he was yeah. like, how on earth do you fit in all them samples on on a, such a tiny, less than a meg, one meg of memory, you know, it's just, you know, so I think that blew his mind as well, to be honest. Well, that's a, that's a great story. So, I, I've actually got, um, I did a Christmas disc um, a couple of years ago with Stop the Cavalry, I'm sure you've heard that song, by Jonah Louie, um, very big Christmas hit from back in the day, and he actually um, got in touch with me on Twitter as well and said that he enjoyed my version of his song as well, so... Oh, <laughs> good. Yeah. You've obviously yeah. got a, a, a bit of a, a bit of a, a very good talent there. 
um, you know, if you're getting so many um, awesome responses from people so close to the music that you've um, uh, sampled and remixed, I think that's awesome. Have Have you re? So, what What are some of the games you've actually like remixed music from? Um, oh, so many. Um, Outrun, Shinobi, um, mm. Arkanoid, Bob Bobble, New Zealand Story. Um, I actually did a disc for Alex. Um, then used your graphic of press play on tape and release that for a bit. I did Zamzara because I know that's one of his favourite games. Um, mm. I've done I've done a lot of the high tech, <coughs> excuse me, high tech tunes that um, I've that I've remixed and everything else. So yeah, I've done so so many game game titles. I did the Ocean Loaders and you know loads of lo- lots and lots of titles. So probably about a hundred or so game conversion tracks so yeah lots wow. of lots. how long does it take to do a, a, a typical mod how long does it take that that process um if i'm doing original an original track it probably could take anywhere from a day to a week to two weeks just depends how often i visit it but, but something like doing a cover of something or a conversion is, is usually a lot quicker so probably oh. a day or two, you know, if, if it's if the song's not too long or too too complicated. So yeah, don't, don't take too long really. So it's quite quite a short process. In, in I mean, some of these guys that you know go to these you know meetups that still have all these demo competitions in Europe, that they, they they can compose a tune in like five ten minutes, and it'd be like one of the best things you've ever heard. Which I obviously I'm not nowhere near as talented as that to do it that quickly, but um, yeah. So it just just it does vary, but it not it's not too long, so it's not too bad. So along the way on the, on the music front, did you ever consider looking at the Atari ST um, to do any of this type of stuff? Oh, no, that's a swear word in my book, Atari <laughs> ST. How, how, how dare you? <laughs> I mean, I know, I know um, you had a good friend of mine on the other. The, um, I think I think last. The last episode I went for Paul Monaghan from Maximum Power Up. Yeah, it was probably um, a few episodes ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've known Paul for quite a few years now, when we meet up at various expos and things like that in, in the UK. Um, and he, he's a he's a massive lover of the Atari ST, so I always rib him about that and how how pants the machine was. You know, <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> it had fantastic mini capabilities. <laughs> You know capabilities, yeah. obviously, but it was just something that I always had an Amiga. I never, I, I didn't know anyone that had an Atari ST, and it was just something that right. I never, never got into. You know, and and composing music by MIDI interface is a lot more different to um, composing by by using a just just a keyboard on the actual machine. So it's something yeah. that I never yeah. never got into. So for sure, I mean, I always did get confused, like Atari ST. You, like back in the day, you know, it was like, oh, that's the big music making machine. But when you listen to some music on the Amiga versus music on the Atari ST, there was there was no comparison. Yeah, I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like some groups, pop, you know, pop, pop, pop groups used the Atari ST um, mm. to sample with and re- release tracks and. You know, it, it, people like um, now, people like Calvin Harris, I think, and a couple of other DJs have mentioned in recent interviews how they used the, the Amiga in the early days to as their tool of choice to sample on and, and create tunes. So I think it's very interesting that 
it's sort of come full circle where more modern artists have been using you know these old systems to to try and you know create a sound which i find really really interesting yeah yeah that's right um so your uh amiga 1200 which you do most of your um modding on by the sounds is that just a stock amiga 1200 or have you got a bit of a few enhancements and extra bits on there um i've the only i've got an aca card which bumps up my system to 130 meg you know a, a whole 130 meg so uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, it runs a, a tiny bit faster but not much but that that 130 meg was really for for um the purposes of whd load um to load yes. all the stuff off my hard drive and and things like that really but it does help with sampling because i can sample at a higher rate and a, and a lot longer and, and then chop the chop the samples up and, and make them smaller and and fit them onto a disc so it does help with that as well so but yeah apart from that mm. there's, there's, you know, i've got a i've got an sd card in there which which acts as a hard drive which is ridiculous nowadays when you look back i mean i've got my old hard drive in the in the drawer in front of me here um, and it was a whole a whole 200 meg so mm. <laughs> and it cost an absolute fortune back then and now i've got yep. a, a four a four gig SD card in there that costs pennies, yep. you know. So, so, so you yep. got SD card yep. running on your Amiga? Yep. Yeah, oh, I've got my okay. Amiga. Is it a flash card or an SD card? It's an SD card. I, 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 um, I don't. I, I, I use a compact flash in the in the PC MIA port in the side to transfer stuff from from there to my PC. So I, I use an SD card um, with an SD card converter to H, you know, HD converter in in the in the amiga itself so that's that's what i wish because um i've got the whd load running off compact flash in my amiga 1200 but yeah getting um images onto there is is a pain because um isn't it you need a driver or something to access the is it the pcmi slot yeah you do, yes, you do yeah, need a driver and- but it's it- it's pretty simple to do, really. But I've tried. I've, I've had no luck whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I used, recommend doing it. Yeah, I mean, I used when I first set it up. I used. Um, I just. I, I got the. Um, I can't remember what it was now. I think I got a kit from somewhere, and it had um, the driver on a floppy disk. So I just um, dragged the obviously dragged the driver across and set it up that way. So it was quite simple for me. Um, but to get a, a, like old mods onto my hard drive from my old hard drive, I had to use a null modem cable from my laptop, and it took about eight hours to send over something ridiculous like ten meg worth of work. So oh, wow. <laughs> it was so it was so <laughs> slow. It was you know back like back to the old days. I just left it going in a room, and you know hours later I went back and it finally done. So. It was um, it was a long process, but yeah, um, I'll have I'll have to have a look for that driver, Daz, and give me your address, and I'll, I'll send it over on a disc for you or something, and then you, you might have some more luck setting it up. Oh, that would be great, thank you, because I did buy um, I did buy that kit from the UK as well, but it just would not load in my drive, so I don't know if it's my drive or if you send me a crappy disc. So I mean, yeah, it sounds a bit strange. Mm. Mm, I think I've got that same disc. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it works for me. So, is it just that the disc wouldn't work in your drive? Yeah, but the thing is that the drive works with a lot of games, but it seems to be fussy with some Mm. discs for some reason. I I don't know. 
but yeah. Something mm. for, something something to sort out, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, I'd like to grab um, your, your um, disc images, Aaron, and pop them in. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. These, yeah. I mean, they're, they're all they're all available on on various websites. Um, on I can't remember now actually. Which are vin- one, yeah. vintage is the, is the new old dot com. They they host some of my discs, and Indie Retro News hosts some of my discs as well. So okay, yeah. if any of you guys visit either of them sites, then you'll be able to find a lot of my work on there so and then you can download the ADF image and pop it on a real disc or you can use it in emulation but obviously using the real hardware is always always best exactly that's there's nothing like using the real hardware that's cool yeah yeah there's something like on WinUAE there's a lot of timing issues as well so it's I I never use WinUAE to compose on because the timing issues are, are, are out sometimes on using ProTracker it's a lot more difficult so I prefer, obviously, to use my real Amiga as long as it keeps working. That's what I'll I'll use. So, oh, cool, um, Aaron. So, is there anything else you'd like to uh, like like to let us know about before we go into our uh, publisher of choice? Well, only that it's freezing cold here. It's about <laughs> zero degrees. There's ice everywhere. <laughs> oh, um, wow. Even though the, the sun is now shining, but it is absolutely freezing. So that I can see ice on the shed roof, and I'm just sat here. Drinking a cup of tea out of my dizzy mug, so. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, but just speaking about just speaking about dizzy, um, there's an event at the Nottingham Computer Museum in mm-hmm. Nottingham, England, on the 8th of April. The Oliver Twins are hosting a new event of 30 years of dizzy. Um, and all there, I know it's ridiculous anyway when you think about it. And they're they're um, launching a brand new Kickstarter for. A brand new unreleased Dizzy game that for the NES system, which is going to come out on cart on cartridge. So um, I'm going to try and get along to that event because they're going to give out free goodie bags with like mouse mats and mugs and badges in and everything else. So it's about an hour on the train from me. So hoping oh, nice. to, oh, to get to that sure. event. Yeah, um, so, uh, yeah, no, that's, uh, that sounds great, Aaron. I would love to go because <laughs> um, I've actually been speaking to. Um, Philip recently, and uh, he was nice enough to send me the book, etc. Mouse pad. He sent me a a Dreamworld Pogi mouse pad. Oh, awesome! Yeah, yeah, and the pin, the dizzy pin, and stuff. So, now nah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I love that. They're so humble. They're they're the best guys out there. Unreal. I, I've met them a few times, and they're real. Like I say, they're really approachable, and they'll talk yeah. to you about anything. They're they're so open about the history and. And everything, and the, 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 those guys are so knowledgeable, and they've got so many interesting stories as well to mm. tell. It's it's always it's always something you always learn something new every time you meet them. So yeah. it's, it'll be good, good, be good to have a catch up with them again and, and say hi to those uh, those yeah. guys. If you don't, if you don't mind, if you do end up bumping into them, please let them know I said hello and thank you again. For, yes, of course, all that. No problem, no problem at all. Okay, so our next uh, segment is uh, publisher of choice, which was chosen by Aaron. And Aaron, can you just give us a just a little super quick a little bit of info about high tech? Certainly will. Um, just a little condensed bit. Uh, high tech software that were founded in 1988 in Sheffield, uh, the city of Sheffield in England, Northern England, which is about 15 miles from where I live now. So it's very close. Unfortunately, they they no longer exist because they went bust um, all those years ago. But basically, they put out. Like budget game releases for the for the eight bits for the C64 Spectrum and Amstrad, and then later on 
the Amiga and Atari ST and they were more like they were sort of budget games for the Amiga as well but towards the end they brought out a couple of full price releases for the 8-bits because they, they managed to acquire licenses from the Hanna-Barbera cartoons and Warner Brothers as well to make you know some games featuring those different cartoon characters and they also licensed some older games to re-release on the label, such as um, the Spy vs. Spy series, which I'm sure you guys have heard of or played of course. You know, back in the day. So, but yeah, they brought, they brought out a lot of you know um, these games, Hanna-Barbera games, with, with different characters in, like um, Rough and Ready, The Jetsons, uh, Quick Draw McGraw, Hong Kong Fooey, uh, Bugs Bunny, you know, Ataman, all, all these types of types of games they brought out Roadrunner as well Scooby-Doo Top Cat um, and Yogi Bear as well so that they brought out a lot of a lot of different characters they, they made into games which was which was cool and very accessible because the the games were so cheap and easy to buy so and they were yeah. pretty looking games too they, were, they looked really good honestly yeah very anyway. yeah yeah very very colourful um, I mean a lot of them were just like sort of you know, basic platformers that where you had to go and hunt for items to open doors or build bridges or ladders to get you know, to the next bit or you know build whatever you know collecting bits and pieces. But you know, some of them there were really good titles. There were a few, quite a few duffers in there as well. But they did bring out some solid, solid games. So I look back on it as with a you know affectionate memories really. Um, okay, so what, what are your favourite uh, titles? Um, well, one of the the my favourite high tech games now is uh, Daffy Duck. That's right. Which was uh, originally going to be released in 1992, and it was even reviewed in Zap Magazine. It got 94 percent in there, but then it sort of like disappeared from from oblivion, you know, into oblivion because high tech software unfortunately went bust before they could get the game out so it was like sort of lost in the annals of time what we thought forever and then the uh, legendary detective that is Frank Gaskin um, he, he runs a, a, a fantastic website called gamesthatweren.com and he's like sort of a, a, a big detective he manages to sort of track down these old original members of t- you know the teams that you know, worked on these games and stuff and he met up with these guys who worked on the original game and they, they supplied him with some old floppy disks, which they didn't know what was on. They had no way of reading them or anything. And, and Frank basically um, preserved, managed to preserve these disks. And, and within these disks was all the elements to recreate the Daffy Duck game. So wow. in, <laughs> back in September 2015, it was finally released because it had been put back together and compiled and you know released for the, the C60 world, world to um, enjoy, which... I'm sure nobody ever thought they was going to get to play it. So it's an absolutely brilliant story. And Frank, he's, I've met yeah. Frank a few times. He's, he's a top guy and he's like a dog with a bone trying to find all these old games. So um, I'm sure, I mean, he brought out Yogi Bear was another high-tech one that was that was lost and really, that was released earlier this year. I think it was Christmas, I mean, Christmas Day actually, or just before. And that was released and that was a big surprise to the community as well. Um, and I know he's got a few more um, surprises up his sleeve, oh, cool. hopefully for this year. So, um, which I don't know what the titles are, but he's very excited about them, I think. And hopefully that he's waiting for clearance for him to be released. So that is why they still haven't appeared 
but I'm, I'm mm. sure I'm sure it's probably down to licensing issues or whatever. But um, hopefully we'll get to see to see those. So that's that's one of my favorite, you know, now favorite games. That's a, that's a platform game um, where you go along collecting bits of a rocket and you know on one level and it's got about four or five levels. It's like an underground tomb section, which is rather nice. Nice graphics like flickering lanterns on the, on the mm. you know on the sides of walls and stuff. So yeah, that's one of my favorites. Another one is. Alien World, which is a side-scrolling shoot 'em up, which is really good. It's got really good music and the colours and, and graphics are really nice as well. Um, it does go like vertically shooting as well later on in the later levels. I don't oh, know wow. if you guys have ever played that no, or heard of that one. I've it now. In fact, it looks really nice. Same here. Yeah. Same yeah. here. I thought, I thought I've never actually heard of Alien World for high tech. I thought, you know what? It looks damn nice. It's a, it's a nice game. It's very, very hard to track down the a physical copy. Very hard indeed. Mm. Um, I have got one, which took me about two years to find. Obviously, you can play it through emulation or whatever else. Um, but yeah, you, you guys should check it out. Cause it's a really, it's a really nice uh, shoot 'em up. So. I think I'm up. And the other. Reader, man. <laughs> yeah, get it, get it in the SD card and get it on uh, fire up on emulation. So it's, it's definitely worth checking out, and also Turbo the Tortoise Loved it. is another is another nice platform. I don't know if you guys have played that one or yeah, not. That's probably my fave. Yeah, it's, it's, the only thing I, I found with that was that unfortunately there's no in-game music, which is a bit, you know, pants really, um, and mm. the, the, you know the, the end the end bosses are, you know, the bosses are a little too difficult to be I think but apart from that I it's a great little game and another story with that was that when high it was it was published by high tech of course but then later on after high tech went bust codemasters picked up their license for that and re-released it on their label as well so there's two versions of that um which I've got both of in my collection so both with different covers as well which is rather nice so so yeah they're, they're sort of like just three Three games out of the many that high tech release that I uh, regularly visit and, and go back to. Nice one, man. Well, um, mine were obviously a Turbo the Tortoise, that was one of my favourites, and the Horrible Defenders of the Earth, which I played, um, got that for free with uh, Commodore Format. So it was one of the free. Oh, it's a terrible game. Yeah, but you know, I played <laughs> it because that's what I had, you know what I mean, as well. So yeah, yeah. I liked totally. it, but I hated it. It was hard. <laughs> but yeah, I, I yeah, kept, it's, I kept it's far too hard. Yeah, I, I was a sucker for punishment. But yeah, I look if, if I probably if I put a unlimited lives cheat it'd be okay, but yeah, it's just it's nuts. It's stupid hard. But yeah, yeah they're the only ones I've really played. Yeah, only recently I played Daffy Duck and Yogi Bear, so you know, I'm I'm going for the ones that I actually played back in the day, so Yeah, yeah. yeah. The um the Jetsons is another nice one. That's like a sort of a cross cross platformer adventure type game. Um, okay. Really, really nice graphics, and you know that was like a, late, a real later release, um, ninety two release, and that was like a full price uh, mm. nine ninety nine, twelve ninety nine job on the C sixty four. So okay. that one and Pottsworth as well, which was an old cartoon, that got released in ninety two as well, and that was another another one of their um, full price releases. So, but yeah, they, they were well worth checking out as well. Potswist, was that was that an English cartoon or something? I think it was American. Oh, was it? Oh, okay. Um, I I don't really remember watching it, 
<clears throat> I think I maybe saw a couple of episodes, but I can't really remember. I'd have to check it out on YouTube again or something, you know, just to to refresh my memory. But that's a, that's a decent platformer as well. Okay. So it's well well worth um, again loading up on emulation. It's another hard one to track down to buy, as is the Jetsons as well. So because they were so late in the life and you know released, uh, they're mm. quite collectible those now. So. Yeah, so so Damien never experienced any uh, high tech games back in the day. No, no, I never played any back in the day. I do remember reading reviews of them in um, Computer and Video Games magazine, mm-hmm. I think, or, yeah, I think it was that. And um, I thought, yeah, these actually look pretty good. And I was actually really impressed that they had the licenses for, um, you know, those, um, uh, like the Yogi Bear and Adam Ant and, and so forth. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things where... So many games to play, so little time. But I, I do need to. I really want to play Alien World after seeing it, after talking yeah, about too. it tonight. I might, might play it after. It the actually looks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. It actually looks like an awesome game. Um, it's really I, good. Yeah, and I remember seeing the Jetsons in um, when it was reviewed. They used like screenshots of the Amiga version. And they used the 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 steels that were like the um, the more cartoony looking mm-hmm. um, pictures, and I thought, my God, can graphics get any better than this? Uh, <laughs> so that's another thing I, I really want to to check out at some at some time. Okay, so we'll um, we'll go to the twitters because we have uh, a few answers there. So Aaron wrote, "What game of theirs was your favourite regarding high tech software?" Winter Retro, good old Serby, says, Not sure I played any, but always wanted to try Defenders of the Earth. Defenders. <laughs> great. Now I have the stuff <laughs> in my head. Uh, Serby, man. Don't uh, do it. That's a great yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't bother. Don't bother. <laughs> uh, I've got a uh, damn Sid Mix here. Alien World on the C64. Very nice budget blaster. Nice one. And great Kiwi, choice. Kiwi Red. Um, I've seen that logo before, but even after looking through their list of published games, I'm still not sure who they were. So yeah, unfortunately, that's all there was. There's like three. So um, I, I've got I've got one on Twitter actually oh, you as have? well. Okay, go for it. Yeah, from uh, retro Col- at retro Collie, and he says I'd have to say it was perhaps one of their Hanna Barbera games, perhaps Hong Kong Fooey. Okay. Yeah. So we all love the Hong Kong Fooey cartoons, and it is actually not not a bad you know not too bad a a game that one actually is, is quite worth it's worth 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 having a quick blast on anyway so good good choice well yeah i might go um onto uh c64.com and grab some of their roms naughty boy darren uh, <laughs> well i can't I can't purchase them so i've got no choice really I'm, I'm, yeah I'm exactly they're yeah. abandonware now they would be wouldn't they yeah i mean i think obviously when frank put these games out he you know he he put disclaimers on his website saying that they belong to Warner Brother or whatever but there's no monetary you know they're not going to make any money from that I think these companies understand that now there's no way they're ever going to you know make anything from them so yeah. I'm sure yeah I mean obviously we're not we don't condone piracy or whatever but you can't really class it as that now because these games are no longer available in it you know or they're very hard to obtain anyway so I'm sure you know playing them on emulation is fine yeah. <laughs> Oh, look, there's, there's actually an Amstrad CPC version of Alien World. I wonder how that scrolls. Mm, depends what, <laughs> depends what mode it uses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just being a troll. 
Oh, I'm nasty. It's probably even worse on the spectrum. You reckon? Nah. If, if it came out. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it did. It looks like there's only an no. Amstrad and C64 version. There yeah. you go. Well, um, that's it for this episode. How's that? That went quick. That went very, very quick. Massive, I feel yes, like very, it was very quick indeed. Yeah. It was very rich, though. I feel like I've learned a lot speaking to Aaron tonight. Likewise. So I'm, I'm very. I'm very um, grateful for this, um, for this uh, being involved in this episode. Oh, th- thanks, guys. It's nice to uh, nice to hear that. Yeah, hey, and uh, make, make sure you say hi to Andy for me too, Aaron, please, Mister Goodoy. Yeah, yes, I will do because I, I got um, just a quick one. I met Andy a few years ago at an Arcade Expo in Blackpool um, when he was when he he was a member of the Ret- well he. he founded retro asylum yeah. the retro asylum podcast and then obviously now he he went on to rgds um retro, what, what was the retro gaming daily show which is just rgds now um and then he asked me to come on board a couple of years ago so i'm now i've been podcasting with those guys on and off for the past couple of years so and andy's a top guy um and, and we've got a really good bunch of bunch of lads as well on on there now really some of them really so well you know, so knowledgeable in, in, in certain fields and that it's, it's just a great, you know, great team and strong team We're putting out a lot of good content and I've been enjoying just, you know, if any of the guys are listening to this, I've been enjoying a lot of the, the stuff they've been putting out over the past few months because I've not really been on that much in the past few months, but I'm sure I've got, we've got a couple of episodes lined up um, that'll be out soon, I think, so, but yeah, um, just give, give can I, I'm all right to just give a few other shout outs go while for I'm it, mate. Go for it, on yeah. the thing yeah I just want to shout out to Paul and Phil at Maximum Power Up I know you had Paul Monaghan on yeah, the show a few weeks ago yeah um, we, we, we had him on yeah we had him on um, Retro Domination actually as well yeah yeah yeah, yeah to coming out with his Atari ST nonsense <laughs> you know <laughs> so uh, Amiga rules Paul uh, anyway yeah um, so yeah I just want to say hi to Tom Sharnock from the Dreamcast Dreampod Junkyard podcast. He's a top guy. I've met him quite a few times, and he's just like Dreamcast nuts, and he, he knows so much about the Dreamcast and manages to find all these great articles and speaks to people about unreleased games and stuff. So that one's worth checking out. Uh, the guys at Tempens Arcade, and of course uh, Dan Wood and Ravi Abbott who do the Retro Hour podcast. Um, that's an absolutely fantastic show. With lots of Amiga goodness in there. And they have some brilliant guests on all the time as well. So just want to say hi to those guys and keep up, keep up the good work. And that's it from me, I think, really, for shout-outs. Nice, nice. You got any, um, Damien? Well, I'll give a shout-out to our um, other hosts who cannot be with us tonight. So Aaron and Tony, uh, shout-out to those guys. Um, look, with my shout-outs, I want to be able to, to have more shout-outs to give. Um, this is doing this podcast and, and like meeting up with you at uh, PAX um, there's, uh, it, yeah. it really the, the community out there is um, you know it, it's just amazing how many good people there are out there in, in the community so I'm really looking forward to perhaps connecting uh, with more people all over the world um, so it's really great to have this uh, opportunity to speak to, to Aaron as well from the UK so this is, um, I find this all very new and exciting. No, it's fun, man. Podcasting's fun. And, um, yeah, you, you do meet a mm. lot of cool people on the way. And, um, yeah, and that's, 
well, I've been doing it now for over five years, and I've met so many mm. great people and made made great friends. I mean, look, I mean, if it wasn't for the podcast, I, I wouldn't have met Aaron. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you know that's I mean? pretty awesome. You know what I mean? Yes, oh, yeah. Yes, so indeed. you know, Mr. You know, Mr. Clement. You know, he's um, yeah, we become great friends now, and. You know, also internationally, like you, Aaron, now, Mr. Aaron White, um, Andy Goodoy, um, Mr. Paul Mollahan, um, Sean Holly, you know, this, I know I'm forgetting a few, so I apologise. Um, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's great. It's, it's, it's a great um, community. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it, look, you know, and, you know, if there's like politics and stuff like that, everyone, most people just brush it off and they just want to have fun, you know what I mean? So, no, it's, mm. it's great. It's great. Enjoy it. Uh, I'll, I'll give a quick shout outs. Um, my um, mates and boys from the RD podcast, Richard Domination. Hi, guys. Um, yeah, and uh, what, Geekdom as well. So, yeah, all the boys, and they know who they are. So, yeah, and, um, yeah, and especially um, Aaron for, for um, letting me host tonight. Poor guy if he's fever. So, uh, <laughs> let's, let's, just, let's just hope that he, he gets better soon. And, and Mr. Aaron White, uh, thank you for jumping on. Yeah, cheers. It's been, it's been a, a pleasure. I really enjoyed it and an honour being on your show. Finally got to uh, to speak properly and, um, you know, interact. And it's, it's been good. I've, in, I've enjoyed it. So thanks for, for having me on. No, thanks, man. It was great. It actually feels good to jump back on this show. It's been, it's, I missed it, to be honest. I thought, I thought. Yeah, it's not it's nice, to, like nice to hear you back when it does, yeah. yeah. Sorry, Damien? I said, is it like fitting on a glove again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 quite nice, you know what I mean? Yeah, the, the, the glove glove's a bit sweaty and stinky, but it's it's still cool. <laughs> it's like getting back on Santa's sack, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna go into that. <laughs> yeah, the sack's a bit smelly. <laughs> I think um, Santa's sack is gonna have to get reprised. I'm gonna look up the um, the episode where it the, it came up and uh, we'll look for a um, a 2017. Reprisal, perhaps. Oh no! Yeah, look, look, look out for the for the uh, hash, hashtag Sackgate. Sackgate. <laughs> you started that, didn't you, Aaron? Yeah, I think yeah, you so, started yeah. Sackgate. Yeah, I thought so. Oh no! All right, we better stop this before it gets nasty. So, um, okay, thanks everyone for joining us uh, for this episode. Um, I'm pretty sure Mr. Aaron Clement will be back next episode. And, uh, yeah, thanks again for uh, listening, and thanks, guys, for joining me tonight. Yeah, it's been awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Okay, guys, take care. Speak to you soon. Bye. Cheers. Goodbye. Bye.